And now it's time for something completely different. Well, not that different. It's an episode about Julian Assange, the Australian editor of WikiLeaks, who received information that he released in 2010 that had been obtained from the US military. The information was provided by US Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning, and it sparked debate. Should the US government be more transparent? Is this a case of free speech or simply informing the public of some of the secrets kept by those we vote into power? Or do we need secrets kept from us? Did Assange's release of top secret information put lives in the military at risk and make it harder for those in power to protect America and its allies from enemies? In 2010, Sweden issued a European arrest warrant for Assange over allegations of rape. His defenders suggest these were fabricated to punish him for the leaks. Assange had to flee and spent years living in the Ecuadorian embassy in my hometown of London. He was granted asylum. Eventually, the Ecuadorians seemed to tire of him and he had to leave. In June 2022, the UK Home Secretary approved extradition to the US and Assange has appealed it. That's where we are. Of course, the last place he wants to end up is is in the States, the very country he is accused of betraying. He is currently serving time in Belmarsh Prison in the UK. Now, what does all this mean? Who is right and who is wrong? Here to talk us through it is Dave DeCamp, a podcast host and news editor at antiwar.com, and Dan Cohen, journalist and filmmaker. They spoke just in advance of a set of free Assange rallies in Washington, D.C. that have now come and gone, as this episode is from a few weeks back. Uh, it was part of the show I do with Sean Atwood, which going forward I won't be part of anymore as I just don't have the time to do it. It was a thrill and a pleasure to, to work with Sean, a lovely, amazing man. Thank you to him. Thank you to Ash Meikle, the beautiful and wonderful producer. Uh, so there's just a few more clips from Sean's show left and the rest on this podcast will be my own organized interviews. You'll get one side of today's theme or whatever, which is the free Assange side. So do bear that in mind. We're not really looking at the other side of it in this episode. But I hope you enjoy regardless. Coming up are episodes on child sacrifice with Annie Ikba and Pentecostalism and Evangelism with Holly Laurent. There's also the second part of the Robbie Williams episode. But now you're on the edge of free speech WikiLeaks and Julian Assange with Dave DeCamp and Dan Cohen. got dave on dave how you doing uh good andrew how you doing thanks for having me on i um oh it's a pleasure it's a pleasure where where are you calling us from today uh i live in virginia i'm about three hours south of washington dc so pretty far from uh the capital there all right okay i'm going out there soon i think dc but i'll tell you about that another time um what are you would tell, tell us a little bit about your background and what you're on to talk about today yeah, well, I work for antiwar.com. I'm the news editor. I basically just cover news. Um, you know, it's in the name, our perspective, antiwar.com. Uh, it was founded in 1995. So the website's been around for a while. And we're libertarian, the staff, but we're, you know, single issue. And we have plenty of leftists and people from across the political spectrum, conservatives, liberals that write for us and contribute to us and everything. Um, but we're here, I'm here to talk about, uh, Julian Assange and the protests for him that are going to be taking place in DC and London as well, because for anybody that any journalist, any writer, any researcher in the U S and around the globe, uh, this should be, uh, you know, one of your, one of the biggest issues. It's the most important case of our lifetime. And I know you guys had Stella Assange on earlier to talk about the case, which is great. And I just want to thank you. And Sean for, you know, having us on to talk about this because it's what we need is people with 
big audiences to care because most of the mainstream journalists in the U.S., they just don't seem to care. They've sold them out. They made, you know, published thousands of articles based on the WikiLeaks, the things that mm -hmm. he released. And now when he needs them, uh, you know, they're nowhere to be found. Oh, well, you're very welcome. It's something we've we've covered quite um, quite a lot. Um, Sean, in particular, is is very vociferous about Assange, and, and I, I've been since since on this show, I've been learning more and more about him and his case. Dan Cohen, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks a lot for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. So tell me tell me your background now. Um, I'm a journalist and filmmaker. I make documentary films in addition to reporting. I live in Washington D.C., so I guess. Not too far from Dave. Hmm. Um, and I currently am independent. I'm in the process of actually founding a new media outlet, which will be called Uncaptured News or Uncaptured Media, rather. Um, so, you know, the, I think the implication is kind of obvious, not being captured by propaganda or, or interests. And so many people, um, I think, have been. And so, I'm, you know, one of the things I want to do is fight back against that and you know, just glad to be here with you guys for this for this stream to talk about really what you know. I totally agree with Dave. This is just the um, maybe the most important issue of our of our time, um, and and you know we really have to do everything we can to defend Julian Assange, not only for the sake of Julian Assange, but for the sake of not living in a totalitarian state where uh, we just live in, well, as as Putin called it, an empire of lies. So. That's uh, that's what I'm about. <laughs> I think we should, um, I guess we'll go to Dave, just to remind viewers, anyone who's been living under a rock, I suppose, and we could do it quite briefly because I think most people are aware of this, but, you know, what is this, what is the situation with Assange? Where, where did that start? What did he release? And, you know. Well, yeah, so right now he's being held in Belmarsh Prison in London uh, without charges. He's awaiting the... The former uh, British Home Secretary, Preeta Patel, she has approved his extradition to the United States to be tried for publishing the Afghan and Iraq war logs that were leaked to him by Chelsea Manning, which exposed U.S. war crimes, torture. Um, I mean, it was really the, probably the greatest feat of journalism uh, maybe ever, uh, what, what he exposed mm -hmm. there. Um, so right now they appealed the extradition and we're kind of just waiting to see what the next step is. Um, but the U.S. is trying to lock him away under the Espionage Act, 17 counts of espionage, which is a, a law that was passed during World War I when the U.S. entered to kind of squash. The idea was to squash dissent about the war, about the policies, and now we're seeing it come back. Because so far, they've never used it to uh, prosecute a journalist, and that's what Assange is. You know, people call him a whistleblower, and he is in a sense, but technically speaking, He's a publisher. He's a journalist. All he did was publish documents. And so they're mm -hmm. accusing him of basically um, making Manning leak the documents, kind of manipulating her. But really, if you speak with any journalist, um, Dan could definitely speak to this. And by the way, Dan, I'm a huge fan of your work. I, I've been for a long time. So this is pretty Thank cool you, to be talking to you. But, um, you know, what he did, it's standard journalistic practice. He said, you know, he asked for the leaks, you know, Manning. Uh, made it clear that she was willing to provide something and and you know he followed up on it and they published it and the other accusation is that those leaks got people killed but during manning's trials um it was found that no they, they couldn't point to a single case where like a u.s asset or or something yeah, intelligence asset or something was killed be because of these leaks um mm -hmm. so as it stands right now 
that's the situation. They're trying to extradite him. And Joe Biden could drop the case any day. You know, it's one of the most shameful things that Trump did was oversee this. It was his Justice Department that unsealed the indictments. And now Biden is uh, is going through with trying to put him away. And just the precedent that it would set. I mean, there's just a lot to get into, but that's basically the brief background okay. uh, on this situation. And so, Dan, the, I suppose with, with any sort of rights uh, debate or balance or whatever, there's there's always another side. There's always, a, you know, and, and that side might be, okay, well, this could have been potentially dangerous for a lot of people releasing these these. Uh, the secret information um so so why why is this such an important moment for for free speech regardless well the claim has been that i mean as dave said that um assange publishing uh sensitive information um made uh put put u.s agents in danger but actually assange contacted the state part state department approached the state department before he published any of his uh i believe it was Cablegate, um the huge troves of of state department cables that just kind of showed the inner workings of empire um and the state department declined to collaborate with him the whole idea was well we would redact names and that sort of thing in order to not endanger endanger right. anyone working in hostile areas the state department totally declined and then of course years later mike pompeo um you know Trump's CIA director and then and then State Department head uh, goes on to call him to call Assange a um, hostile foreign intelligence agency. So the irony of that can't be understated. But I mean, in terms of the importance of this case, it's not only for for journalists, you know, like Dave or myself or anyone who is challenging or seeking to hold um, power to account. But really anyone, any kind of anybody, and not only in the United States, but anybody in the world who dares to speak the truth about what the U.S. empire and its junior partners are doing um, is, is, becomes a target. Of course, Assange is not a citizen of the United States, so it's completely absurd for him to be um, accused of treason. How can you commit treason um, against a country that you're not a citizen of. It's totally absurd. Um, and so really every single person who, you know, believes in freedom, liberty, whatever that means to you, or your, your ability to express yourself should be extremely concerned. Um, and a lot of what Assange, you know, has said um, has has been vindicated. I mean, the WikiLeaks and Assange have a 100% perfect track record they've never published anything false yet you know they're considered uh by the mainstream to be some kind of pariah um deserving of of you know the worst treatment and it's really remarkable and telling to see that all of these uh reporters and journalists in the united states and in the uk who and australia who um collaborated with with assange in his in the earlier years back in the Cablegate days and made careers even off of the material that he presented to them. And the New York Times and the Washington, Washington Post and the Guardian are now totally silent. And so, you know, it's, it's, it just says everything about our mediascape that we have so few actual journalists left um, in the United States because basically if you want to have a career, 
you have to serve powerful interests and then you essentially do propaganda. You know, if you work for the New York Times, you're serving basically BlackRock, I mean, and, and giant uh, financial conglomerates that uh, own you. And of course, you can't you can't contradict them even if you wanted to. Um, mm. So it's so important that, you know, we speak out in, in whatever way we can, because this is still a battle. Um, I think it's easy to fall to be pessimistic and and say, well, you know, it's a done deal that um, Assange is is you know gonna rot in prison for the rest of his life. But um, things are unpredictable, and we owe it not only to to Julian Assange and and his his wife Stella and their and their little boys, but to our own principles to fight uh, fight for this case. Wow, beautifully put, Dan. Uh, Dave, do you have uh, anything to add to that just on that topic? And, and also, uh, would you let us know a little bit about the rallies that are taking place in DC, um, London and elsewhere? Uh, yeah, so uh, just to add a little bit to what Dan said, you know, one of kind of the most egregious things about this case is that Assange is an Australian citizen. Hmm. So it's not, it doesn't just matter to people in the US or people in the UK where he's been held. It, it does matter to people all across the world because it will set a precedent that the US can reach across the, the world and grab a journalist that published something they don't like and, and put him away uh, for life. Um, so I think that's why it should be more of a, a global thing here, uh, a global opposition to what's happening to Assange and the rallies are um, so you could go to handsoffassange.com. It's a website that the organizers just set up and it has information about the rally that's going to be in DC where me and Dan will be speaking. And also the big one really in London around uh, British Parliament, people are going to surround it. But there's also protests taking place in uh, in other countries. There's a few in, Aust in Australia and a few Australian cities. And uh, New Zealand, they're going to protest outside of New Zealand's parliament. I know Germany and Italy and in the U.S. too, also in San Francisco and Denver. Um, so there's a lot of actions there. And you could also follow, there's a Twitter handle, Candles for Assange. That's for the number uh, four. And that they're going to tweet out updates and, and videos of the, the, the speeches and everything. Um, so there's a lot of stuff happening this weekend if people want to get involved. Mm -hmm. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random 
IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. The more I learn about this, the more it, it freaks me out, actually. I mean, it, it is such a shame that I guess the media, the mainstream media, I hate saying that, God, but haven't covered it enough, particularly recently. And so those who don't really know that much, that, and that was me about you know a year ago, I would have just walked around not really knowing that much. Oh, who's that? They're rallying against something. I don't really know. And uh, Assange, wasn't he the guy who leaked secrets that probably got loads of people killed? And well, there you go. And now I'm looking at it as, okay, well, he was given that. This is what you're telling me. He was given that information. Uh, he gave, what is it, the CIA, FBI? Who was he given? The, the State Department. The State Department, the opportunity to sort of make that safer once he had the information. He, he got it out there. It was really important stuff that he got out of there because we can't have, you know, you, you need a government to be transparent. You can't have them just doing things. I suppose to an extent you need secrets too. To, I don't know, but that's a whole other topic. And he's been, in, you know, either locked up, you know, in an embassy or a prison for longer than like certain murderers and things, I think, or at least, you know, sexual molesters and things. So that just seems outrageous. Has he got... I mean, is there any way he's going to be? Let, do, you, do you feel uh, optimistic that he'll ever be just let out and walking the streets? I suppose, uh, Dan, do you want to? What do you think? Well, I don't want to say I feel optimistic, but you know, I mean, the future is not written yet, and I think uh, you know, again, it's easy to to kind of sit and feel defeated and sad about it, um, mm -hmm. but there's still so much to fight for. And and it's it's not a done deal. Um, and there's nothing, you know, the fact that the United States and it's, you know, the UK and all of its kind of vassals, you could say, around the world were so incredibly threatened by what WikiLeaks published just speaks to how fearful they are of, you know, people power, um, mm. of an actual people's, you know, uprising, some kind of democratic 
real democratic voice. I don't mean like the Democratic Party, but, you know, people really coming together and saying, you know, enough. This is this is ridiculous. This is unacceptable. Um, and as conditions continue to just get worse and worse uh, in the West in particular, which, you know, obviously, I guess you're in you're in the UK. So, I mean, there's you know, I don't need to tell you and, and inflation is crushing us here in the United States. I mean, I think people are forced to wake up. And so, you know, the people who are um, very lucid about what's happening to Assange are, you know, it's because we're paying attention. It's because, you know, we're we've been paying attention, um, but it's but it's not because, you know, we have some like special consciousness, consciousness or, or mission. It's so um, I mean, I'm just, you know, not willing to to feel um, pessimistic, but um, but I think I think it's important to be a realist and and not be you know overly optimistic either, and just say you know what whatever the result is, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to go out there mm-hmm. and speak on Saturday, and Dave is, and and no matter you know whether it's ten people or ten thousand people, the message is exactly the same. Dave, yeah, going back to what I was just thinking before, is it possible that people? maybe wouldn't like to admit it and particularly viewers of this channel who would like the truth to be exposed but maybe people like uh that the government keeps secrets from them and keeps them a little bit sheltered from things and they don't like things being exposed i think that's certainly uh, uh true with some people to to an extent you know they like to just kind of have everything taken care of for them um but i think you know understanding the truth and what our governments are are doing with our tax money because that stuff you know it comes it comes home it, it comes back to bite us i mean it's pretty widely accepted today that 911 uh probably wouldn't have happened if the us wasn't intervening in the in the middle east that it was blowback and this is something that people said you know shortly after the attacks and they received all sorts of death threats and stuff so people want to kind of live in this bubble, but you have to understand, you know, there's this huge war machine out there killing a lot of people and, and doing horrible things in your name. And the people mm-hmm. that uh, want to get revenge on that uh, might not care if you or your your family are, you know, hurt as, as and I mean, you, you look at the situation right now, the tensions between the U.S. and Russia. I mean, saying, of course, the Assange case is one of the most important things in the world right now, but also avoiding nuclear war is as well. And it seems like a lot of people don't understand the risk of us funding a war right on Russia's border, giving Ukraine all this support. And when we think, look at the situation now, I mean, even kind of speaking out against that, I, I get you know a lot of hate directed at me on the internet, at least saying that we should de-escalate and that the U.S., shouldn't be supporting this war on Russia's border. But you look at WikiLeaks and the dumps that they did, the State Department cables, and to see what U.S. officials were were telling each other. Right now, something that would be really important would be a WikiLeaks-style dump, like just to see what U.S. officials were saying to each other and British officials, especially Boris Johnson, what he was up to in these past (laughs) six months and the time leading up to the war in Ukraine, because there's a lot of evidence that the U.S., um, wants this war to prolong to hurt Russia. I mean, they've basically said that publicly. So that's why institutions like WikiLeaks are so important. And if Assange gets extradited and put away, um, we'll probably never see anything like that again. And then not only could they prosecute that, they could, you know, uh, prosecute somebody just for having a source that tells them something they don't like. Prosecute a New York Times journalist or something like that. It could get that bad. And uh, 
as we're standing, I think, in one of the most dangerous times in history. I mean, this isn't just me saying that this anti-war uh, guy, but it's, you know, very esteemed diplomats and government officials are saying right now the risk of nuclear war is higher than it was during the Cold War. And it doesn't seem like that's people really understand that. Like if you just look at kind of the mainstream attitude about it, it, it just doesn't seem like that's synced mm. into too, too many people. existential threats, I suppose, at once. It's too yeah. scary. But I mean, I suppose just our dev- devil's advocate there that I guess I guess people on the other side would say we're not supporting uh, Ukraine's war. We're, we're intervening in Russia's war. And that if, if stuff were to get out, secrets that the US government has, it would um, only help Putin enforce his war. So it just depends what side uh, you're on, which is every, you know, that's what life's about. Those, those debates and people see things from different perspectives. Um, Assange's treatment is apparently, um, torture, according to Nils Meltzer, a UN special rapporteur on torture. Um, Dan, what do you know about that? Well, I mean, Assange spent, I think, was it seven years inside the Ecuadorian embassy, um, before he was dragged out by by police and is now in Belmarsh prison, which the conditions are horrible. Um, mm. He's suffered severe physical and psychological health problems as this, um, you know, his, his imprisonment has dragged on the extradition hearings have dragged on and, you know, he's, he's at risk of, of death. As you said, Niels Melzer, the UN Rapporteur on torture has, has said that his wife, Stella Assange has said that his, um, there's there's no doubt about it. And you have to wonder, mm. is that the point? Is that, you know, kind punishment. of the goal? The goal here is just such extreme, severe punishment that it breaks him and yeah. and kills him. And you have to think that someone like Assange is um, has an incredibly strong mind, certainly far more than, you know, myself or the average person. But we're all but he's human. And at some point, um there you know that can happen and and um you know just the the extreme cruel unusual punishment which is you know what torture Mm -hmm. is for um just revealing um state secrets that are in the public interest really says everything about you know the u.s and uk government and and everyone who's participated in this that they believe in the opposite of democracy and you know i hate to I don't throw the term fascism around lightly, but I mean, when you're talking about um, someone who is basically just doing an act of, of journalism and is um, facing yeah. such, you know, yeah, horrible, horrible treatment, uh, you have to, you have to, you know, you ha- I, th- I think that word is appropriate. And I'm not talking about the kind of World War II um, style of, you know, uh, um, high-stepping fascism and sig heiling and that kind of thing, but a neoliberal form of fascism where, um, you know, on one hand, Joe Biden will say he's so committed to diversity and we have, you know, this, um, you know, mm. the first this and the first that, but at the same time is crushing the very kind of foundations of of democracy. And so, um, you know, I think that's kind of the, the issue. Yeah. I thought I think I think you're right, and I think I think you're you know you're also right. I I, I was wary of I 
said something about Nazis in the previous interview and uh, realized I, I sound like a cliche or whatever. But but I think you're, you're right. I, I Everyone always argues about the definition of, of fascism, but that sort of repression of free speech is always really, really scary. Um, Dave, have you got anything to, to add just about the conditions that Assange is facing right now? Yeah, well, Nils Melzer, uh, the UN Special Rapporteur on Torture, he's a very interesting case. And he actually just wrote a put out a book called The Trial of Julian Assange um, that people should check out. But you don't just have to read the book. I mean, he's written on this extensively because he went to investigate this case. And he says, you know, he kind of bought into all the propaganda until he started looking into it. And now he believes that Assange has been tortured, you know, psychological torture. And part of that has been this whole vilification of him. You know, one thing I remember a lot of these mainstream journalists, um, when he was held up in the Ecuadorian embassy, they, they were just make, make fun of him as, you know, paranoid, uh, you know, that he didn't need to seek asylum there. And then you see him get dragged out there in, in April, 2019, I believe it was, was when he was arrested and, and hauled out of the embassy. And you see that scene and, and just the, the fact that they were mocking him and um, there was he was under surveillance, uh, this Spanish private security firm, UC Global. Um, I believe, Dan, I know more about this than me, that it's pretty certain that he it was uh, U.S., the CIA or U.S. intelligence that contracted them to spy on Assange. And, you know, the stuff was getting out to the media of him, like riding a skateboard around in the embassy and, and hanging out with his cat a lot. And they're saying, oh, look, he's going crazy. He's nuts. So, I mean... That has must have taken a serious toll on. I can't imagine uh, all that attention and and mocking and your whole character just being completely destroyed by the this huge uh, mass media machine. Uh, so I, I would people if they don't know much about it, n- just Google Nils Melzer, Julian Assange. Mm. Um, and yeah, he, he was really he was on the show actually. Nils oh, nice. on, um, promoting his book, I think, last Christmas. Uh, just remembering now. But uh, yeah, no, fascinating man and all that. Um, we're running quite low on time. I, both of you, um, I guess we'll start with Dan. Uh, let us know where you'd like to send people to go You know, check out your stuff and all that. Well, I wish I could promote my my website. It's not quite up yet, though. But in the coming weeks, I'll have Uncaptured Media founded. But for now, you can uh, check out, just check me out on Twitter at Dan Cohen 3000. Um, I started a sub stack. I just, I have an investigation on US intervention in Haiti where there's a major uprising taking place. And um, I also have a, uh, a three-part documentary coming out in the next couple of weeks on the background to that uprising and what's going on right now. And so um, it's called Another Vision Inside Haiti's Uprising. So um, yeah, just, uh, I'll, I'll link to it on Twitter and just, uh, check me out there fantastic please do go support our guest dan and dave tell us a bit about anti-war again and where else yeah, you so, like send people sorry yeah um so all my work my writing and stuff is at antiwar.com and we're actually doing a fundraiser now because we're totally reliant on our readers so we have to do a fundraiser a few times each year and if you go on the site right now we actually got a pretty cool endorsement uh, noam chomsky wrote a letter uh yeah. telling people to give to us uh which is very cool he says he he relies on us as a source of news every day. He, wow. he, he mentioned some specific things that I covered, so it's just pretty cool to know. Um, and again, that's an example of how we're all sorts, all over the political spectrum, uh, people yeah. read us. Um, and I also just recently started a podcast for antiwar.com. It's called Anti-War News with Dave DeCamp. 
Um, I have a YouTube channel. People could go subscribe there or you could download it wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, um, cool. But again, uh, and Twitter, I'm on Twitter at the Camp Dave if you want to follow me there. Cool. Any any last words? I'm not going to kill either of you, but just, um, you know, last words on the interview. Uh, oh, sorry, Dave. I mean, just no, thanks. Uh, thanks for, for getting the word out. Um, and yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of anti-war. So, you know, keep up, keep up the good work over there, Dave. Um, and, you know, yeah, if you're if you're anywhere near any of these rallies on this coming Saturday here in D.C., I'll be there. Dave will be speaking, of course, in London. Uh, they'll be joining hands around the parliament um and just just um out where where protests are going on and if you can't make it to that at least uh, make your voice heard online because this is yeah i mean one of the key issues of our time and it's it affects all of us so thanks again for for hosting this oh you're very very welcome uh dave any luck yeah but you can go on Sorry. yeah just to mention uh if you look at you could check out the speaker list too for the dc event because it's huge i mean there's a lot of big names chris hedges uh jill stein are a few of the people i could think of i mean it's about like 20 people i think so it's gonna be a lot of short intense speeches and uh if you can't make it there they're gonna make it on youtube and stuff so keep an eye out for that and uh yeah support assange and and tell your friends about assange and and just get the word out fantastic dan and dave thank you so much for coming on it's been a pleasure i think the viewers absolutely loved you both so they'll check out your stuff please do everyone check and support our guests and have a lovely day thanks a lot Thank you, Dan Cohen and Dave DeCamp. And thank you to Sean Atwood and his producer, Ash Meikle, for organizing that and organizing so many other beautiful and amazing interviews, giving me so many opportunities over the last year and a half. Uh, it was fascinating for me to learn more about Julian Assange and his case. I still don't know enough about it, to be honest. But if you want to find out more, follow Dan Cohen and Dave DeCamp of Anti-War on Twitter and all those things. Look up Anti-War, lot of, lots of news about that stuff. And also watch Sean Atwood's YouTube channel as he is very passionate about Assange and has done lots of things uh, on that theme. You heard one side of the argument or debate today. The other side, I suppose, is about protecting state secrets, of course. But I hope that this was enlightening enough and enjoyable. And coming up are episodes about child sacrifice, evangelical pastors, and Robbie Williams. See you then. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.